Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. If you have your Bibles, turn with me very quickly, uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 7, Matthew 7. I have, I have a, a famous message that I preach. It's, uh, I say that it's famous, but it's really not famous. It's just just kind of one of those messages that throughout my entire evangelistic career, I preached it every Sunday for probably six years. I preached the same message out of Matthew chapter seven, every Sunday. It is my personal revelation on the necessity of the Holy Ghost. Um, And why we need the Holy Ghost, what the Holy Ghost is, how you receive it, why you receive it. And it's really an obscure passage of scripture to, to, to find it. But that's why that's why it was so important to me in, in my walk with God. You see, because I was raised in church and, you know, I, this all I ever knew. I was, you know, I slept on the pew. I was, you know, from a child, my earliest memory was my dad was a preacher and I was at church. And so when you grow up around it, you know, you, you, you lose some of the value of what you really have. You know, it's just it's, it's human nature. You know, you, you lose the value of what you really got because you're always around it. You always expect it. And so when I, when I, at the age of 19, 20, when I came back to the Lord, because I'd been backslidden for a couple years. And when I came back to God, I came back to God with really an intention of never really doing anything for, for God. Like I had written that part of my life off and I was like, Lord, you know, you called me, but I was a fool. And so I missed that, but I'm not going to go to hell. So I really want to learn the word. And, uh, a lot of times you hear me preach about, you know, making mistakes and you think that God's call. I preach about a Sunday. You feel like the call of God's off your life, whatever. That's not a, that's not in a book that I read, a sermon that I've heard someone preach. That's my, that's my I've lived that. But when I came back to the Lord, I really began to study the word of God because I did not want it to be my dad's religion anymore. I didn't want it to be my mom's religion. I didn't want it to be my grandpa's religion. Like I really wanted to know it is everything that. We've been preaching my whole life. Is it real? Is it legit? Or 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 am, or am I, or am I part of a religious group? Just like I've been talking about people my whole life, you know, or hearing people preach about, or they're just this or that. Like, and is that me too? Am I a part of that? You know. And so I really, I did not disown, but I disavowed pretty much everything I'd ever learned. And I'm like, I'm looking for myself. I'm reading this Bible. I was 20 years old and never read the Bible. Raised in church, never read the Bible. Isn't that amazing? So I began to read the Bible, and one of the scriptures that really stuck out to me, because if you study the Word and you study who God is, one of the scriptures that really stuck out to me was Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. This is what it reads. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, 
shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, I'm going to keep on reading here. I'll go back, but I'll let you sit down. But I want to read on. He says, therefore, verse 24, watch it. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, I will liken him unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. Now, I'm going to start a series tonight and I know it's December and you're thinking, it's Wednesday on De- in December. We should be talking about Christmas stuff. You got to be here on Sunday for the Christmas stuff this year. I flipped it on you. Nativity. How many enjoyed Nativity Part One on Sunday? It was an, it was it was good. It was good. Number two is going to be better. It's just going to keep getting better as the as the weeks go on. But I want to teach uh, just just a. It, it may take me tonight. It may take me a couple weeks. But I want to get through something here. I want to teach to you about wise and foolish wise and foolish let's pray real fast Lord I thank you for your word I ask you to speak to us through this word and I pray that you would grow us and mature us through this word tonight and God don't let us just be hearers but let us be doers also and we'll be careful to give you the praise the glory and the honor and the church said amen you may be seated if you've been coming to church here for a while you've probably picked up on a few things that I do repeatedly. If you've been coming here for a while, then you know that I pretty much pray the same almost every time I pray. Like if I'm praying for a prayer, I have a system that I pray through. It's just things that I want to say. I pray scripture. I, I pray, Lord, you said in your word, by your stripes we are healed. You said you are the God that healeth us and take away our infirmities. I'm pretty systematic on the way that I pray. The reason I'm systematic is because I believe that's a good prayer, and I pray the scripture. And I'm not religious in my prayer. I like to say what I want to say, and I say it like I mean it. It Also, another thing that you may have picked up on if you've been coming here for a while, is before I preach, I always pray. I never just say, be seated. I always pray. I think it's important that you pray before you speak. It ain't for you, it's for me. But I say something at the end of every prayer. I say, Lord... Let us not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word also. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise and glory. Amen. That's systematic. So I've pastored this church for seven years, but I've been preaching for close to 14. Close to 14 years, full time. And I preach a lot here, but really I took a break when I started pastoring. Because I was preaching about five to six sermons every week for six years. And most of those years, I traveled between 45 and 48 weeks out of the year. So just a few weeks off for family, friends, you know, stuff. But I was on the road most of the time 
And I would preach in sometimes two to three to four churches every week, different congregations, different people, um, big churches, small churches, you know, uh, and everything in between. Uh, I saw the good, the bad, and the ugly. Some, some real ugly, some kind of ugly. You know, beauty's only skin deep. And I, I was in some of those churches too. Great edifice, unbelievable place, unbelievable music, unbelievable, just, just, just unbelievable. Everything was just immaculate. But I would not go to church there if you paid me money. Just don't want to be a part of that kind of society of, you know, uh, country club church, FUBU church, for us, by us. Everybody looking the same, dressing the same, acting the same. Uh, just kind of little cultish to me. Just that's just my own personal opinion. You ain't got to take that for no. It's my own personal opinion. Uh, just just what what my flavor. But I learned a lot of stuff during that time and been pretty systematic since those years of just preaching and bringing the word of God forward and learning, continuing to read, continuing to learn. I realized that Matthew seven twenty. 21 through 27 is really important to what I believed as a Christian. Really important because Jesus makes a statement. Jesus makes a statement in verse 23 of Matthew chapter 7 that is impossible for him to make. If you know anything about God, you know that this statement really should shake you to your core. Because the statement that he makes in verse 23 is, Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Which is, if you've read the scripture, impossible. Because he says, I knew you in the womb. He says, I "I know everything. He said, when the sparrow falls, I'm there. I know the very number of hair on your head. And I'm not speaking of Old Testament uh, rhetoric here. I'm speaking of New Testament rhetoric. This is what he said in the New Testament. He said that nothing gets past me. I know the very number of hair on your head. And when a sparrow falls, I know about it. Meaning that I know everything even down to the insignificant matters of how many hair follicles are on your head. But then he waits to the last, to the last, the end of time to make a statement that, that, that really would boggle the mind of anybody who really understands who God is and that he is all-knowing, omniscient. There's nothing that he doesn't know. He says... I never knew you. Now, these people in Matthew 21, they're saying, Lord, we know you. Lord, Lord, we prophesied in that name. We cast out devils in the name. We did many, many wonderful works in that name. We knew you, Lord. And he's saying, well, I don't know you. You know me. I don't know you. Very, very powerful statement, which kind of led me to kind of find out how do I make sure, you know, because really I was kind of raised in this, in this mindset. We need to know God. You need to know God. We need to know God. And we, you, you know, do everything you can do to know God. We need to know God. And then on the last day, which is judgment day, which Jesus is speaking about here, judgment day, really the only thing that matters is did God know you? Which is a huge twist to what I believe my whole life. This is why you need to get in the word for yourself. Stop taking folks word for it. Read the scripture. Because really what was really important was not did I know him. What was really important is that he did he know me. And this is a portion of scripture where uh, I begin to dig, 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 dig. And 
I don't know, Brother, Brother Paulo, if you could go there with me very quickly. I, 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 I'll show you some key to the answer because if the Bible raises a question, you don't need to go to another book to find the answer for the, this question. Just keep reading. The, the answer is in there. Amen. You would, you would never be reading a, a book of literature and then take a test on that book and be reading 27 other books to get a, read the book that the question came from. And you'll find the answer, you know, get in the book. So I found an answer. It's in Galatians chapter four. And you probably heard me read some of this. But Galatians chapter four, beginning in verse four, says but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of a son into your hearts, crying, Abba, father, and, and wherefore thou art no more a servant. But a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Howbeit uh, then, when you knew not God, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, and if you can tell, like, I know this scripture like the back of my hand because this is a staple scripture for me. Some of y'all got Psalms 23. I got a random scripture in Galatians. <laughs> staple scripture for me, Galatians chapter 4, verse 9. But now, now that I've received the spirit of the son, now that, I've, now that he is my father, I've received his spirit. I've not only been redeemed, but I've also been adopted. The spirit of adoption that Paul talks about in the book of Romans, he says, but now that after ye have known God, I knew you, or rather are known of God, God knows me. Which is the answer to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 27, is the only way God can know you is have you ever received his spirit? Have you received the spirit of adoption, the spirit of the son into your hearts, crying out a father? It's connected. These people who were religious, they knew who God was, but they, the spirit of God never lived in them. They never followed the steps of Acts 2.38, repent, baptize, and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is more than just a spirit or a ghost. It is the spirit of the son into your hearts, crying out a father. It is the signature on the paperwork that says not only do I love God and God loves me, but we are legally binded as father and son, father and daughter. Are you with me? Real quick synopsis here. However, this whole, this little circle here, and if you, if you have any more questions about that, please come see me. I could talk about this all day long, but it's not my, it's not my scripture. Um, it's, it's not really my message either. But I want to point out to you that what happens at the end of this, of this text is very important. And, and, and you, we, we have to hear what the Lord says because he says in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24, he says, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Now, I can also give you reference to that when Peter said, when Jesus says, whom do men say that I am? And Peter said, I know who you are. You are the Christ. You are the son of God. I know who you are. And then Jesus says, Simon, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood have not revealed this unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven. Simon Barjona is a surname, not a name. It is a title, not a name. He called him by his title, Simon Barjona. Then he says, now I say thou art Peter. You catch it? I know you. You know me. You know who I am. I know who you are. Boom. And he says, I say thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. 
I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Whosoever doeth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man. Somebody say wise. Wise man is putting house on the rock. Let's, let's find out about the wise man. Let's, let, let's see what happened to the wise man. Next verse. This is what happened to the wise man. The rain descended, the floods came, and the wind blew against and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Verse 26. And whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened to a foolish man. Somebody say foolish. foolish. Which built his house upon a sand. Let's find out what happened to the foolish man. Anybody ready? Everybody ready? This is what happened to foolish man. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So we have wise and we have foolish. The experiences of the wise and the foolish are the exact same. Just because you're wise does not mean the rain is not coming. Both of these men... And we don't know who what their names are. We don't know their backgrounds. We don't, know, we, we don't really know a whole lot about them. And I'm going to tell you the defining character of both men in just a minute. But, but, but I want to make some, 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 some similarities here, some parallels. I want to show you that the wise man and the foolish man both experienced turmoil. The, 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 the wise man was not special, and the foolish man wasn't special. Both of them had to deal with the elements of life. Just, just because there is rain, flood, and, and wind in your life doesn't mean that you've somehow made mistakes. It doesn't mean that you're wrong. This man, the Bible, Jesus himself says this is a wise man, but rain came to the wise man's house. And wind came to the wise man's house. And flood came to the wise man's house. He, he experienced it just like the foolish man. And just because... It just because this man was foolish didn't mean that he was exempt. Well, I didn't know. It just because he was a foolish man didn't mean that bad stuff didn't happen to him either. I mean, both of these men experienced trouble. Both of them experienced trouble. The difference between the two men was that one had chosen a better foundation to build on. It, and it really wasn't what he built. It was what he built on. The Bible does not give us any description of these two houses. He just says they built houses. The wise man may have built a shanty, but it didn't fall. And the, and the foolish man may have built a mansion, but it fell. Matter of fact, the Bible says great was the fall of it. So we know the bigger they are, the Harder they fall. Jesus points out that it didn't just fall. It was a great fall. It, 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 it was a great fall. He experienced failure, not because of what he built. It was because of what he built on, what he chose to build his house on. There are similarities and there are differences. The differences are. The only difference is, listen, the only difference in these men is that the only physical difference, I'll point this out, the only physical difference that we know about these men is that one chose rock, one chose sand. One chose something that was stable, that was solid, that was proved, that was strong, and one chose something that was shifty, 
that change with the winds, that change with time. Rocks don't change, but sand changes. Every piece of breeze, sand changes. Every, every, the Bible says, uh, woe to the man that is blown about with all kinds of winds, winds of doctrine. Just believe anything because just going with the flow, sand goes with the flow. It, it follows the least path of resistance. It, sand is movable. It is changeable. We build sand castles in the sand. They look great, but as soon as the day changes, they fall apart. It's just material. The material chosen for foundation is the question here. One chose rock, one chose sand. But there's also a difference between these two men that sometimes we look over and we miss because we're looking at the physical things. We're looking at the house and we're looking at the sand and we're looking at the storm. The storm and the house were defined as this really the same thing, same house, same kind of storm. Foundation's different. What I built it on is the change. But there's also another difference that if you search the scripture, You'll see it clearly. We just kind of read over it. The Bible says that they heareth the word of God. One man does what he hears. One man doesn't do what he hears. What makes them wise and foolish was not really what they built on. What made them wise and foolish is what they did with what they heard. Whosoever, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, he's a wise man. And whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doesn't do them, he's foolish. This is very powerful because we both we understand that the wise man heard the word of God and the foolish man heard the word of God. That they both had access to the word of God. Hallelujah. That right here in this church tonight, there could be wise and foolish right here. So I'm at church, but that doesn't make you wise or foolish. I attended. That doesn't make you wise or foolish. Oh, I heard some good preaching this Sunday. That didn't make you wise or foolish. Oh, man, my pastor preached a message. You're not going to believe what he preached. My goodness. That does not make you wise or foolish. Oh, Pastor Chavis, I listen to preaching all day long. That don't make you wise or foolish. That's all I do is listen to preaching. I don't listen to everybody. I don't, that's all I do. Preaching, preaching, preaching. That's good. God bless you. Thankful for that. But it doesn't make you wise and it doesn't make you foolish. How you apply what you heard makes you wise. How you do not apply what you heard makes you foolish. Woo. Let me just can I just can I, can I get down on just where, where where we live at? Okay, I preach a message on forgiveness, or you you hear a message on forgiveness, and you're like, well, that's a good word, Pastor, but you just don't know what they did. You just don't know how they hurt me. I mean, that's a good word. I mean, I that, I mean it makes sense. I mean, I see it in the scripture, but shoot, you don't know how my daddy treated me. You don't know how they. Did me wrong on my job. You don't, mm, I mean, good word, but I mean, for real. (laughs) Now, you don't say this out loud. I'm talking, this is your inner voice. 
Nobody says this out loud. We just hear the word and we decide to do it. How tragic it would be to sit and hear the good word of God and never apply it to my life. What makes a man wise is when he applies. What makes a man foolish is when he disregards. I heard it, but I'm not going to do nothing with it. I mean, I, I, but Brother Chavis is up there preaching about, you know, using your gifts and using your callings. And man, I, and, and, and it was good. I, I heard it. It was a fantastic. Good word. It moved me. I was crying. I was crying. I was, tears was flowing. But I mean, I'm not really, I'm not going to do nothing. I mean, I just, you know. This is one reason why I consistently cut altar calls short. Because altar calls upset me. I'm about to be transparent with you as a preacher. Altar calls, needful, yes. Over-dramatized, absolutely. When you come to an altar and you pray and you cry and you weep over a message, it gives you a sense of relief but you are not relieved from that. I have, I can't tell you how many camps I've preached. I preached so many camps, I, don't really, I can't remember. I've seen kids come to the altar and lose their mind. They're the first ones to backslide. Because that moment in the altar over-dramatizes the moment. And we feel like, well, man, I went and prayed, so I did something with that word. No, you really didn't do anything with that word. You, you, you didn't. I, when you came to the altar and you prayed, you responded in a momentary moment. And what you did is you actually set yourself up for failure because you came down here and you prayed and you made covenant and you said, God, I'm going to do this. But when you left this place and the tears suddenly flowed, and you felt that relief, and you felt like, well, I'm good now because I pray. I remember I was at the altar. Remember I was at the prayer. Remember I was crying. Remember that? I was. I mean, I was. Ooh, did you see the tears? They was real. They was flowing. It was crazy. But you didn't really do anything with what you heard. You just heard it. You came to the altar. You responded in the moment, which is right, which is proper. You should have. But it gives you a sense of relief, and you go home and you forget all about it because you've already made your statement. You've already done your thing. Well, I prayed. I heard that word and I prayed. And I, I mean, I'm not going to actually do what he said, but I mean, I prayed. This is how we have people in the church who hear the same word, who build similar houses. But when trouble comes, we are shaken differently. That's why me and you can watch people come into the house of God. We know them. We see them. They come and get the same word that you got, the same word that I got, the same thing that we received, and they never actually do it. We don't know that they're not doing it. We don't know that they're not applying this to their life. We don't know. But when trouble comes, it's, it's easy come, easy go. Instability, trouble, vicious cycles, always in the same mess. Always coming to the altar and repenting over the same thing they've been repenting over for the last 12 years, praying the same prayers, crying over the same mistakes, because as much as they hear, they apply nothing 
and it's just saying. It's like, Pastor Chavis, I came, I heard, I, I built my little house up, ooh, it was great, and it washed it away. And here I come back again, oh, Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm a weary soldier. And I'm, here I come back, and I, I pray again, and I hear the word again, and you know what? I build my little house, and it gets washed away again. And I keep looking at these people on the hill. I keep looking at these people on the rock, and their lives seem mundane, and their lives seem like they don't really do a whole lot, and their life seems like, you know, they, they, they're, they have rules and regulations, and they're regimented, and I see these people, but it, it seems like they have trouble too, but they never leave the house of God. They, they, they have family members that pass away too, but they never give up. They have people to betray them and, 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 and act out on them. And, and, and they file for bankruptcy too. And they go through hell on earth as well. But it just seems like they just, they just dig deeper. How is that? How, how, how can you dig deeper when I just get washed away every time? Because people that apply grow stronger. To go stronger. If you're, if you're in this house tonight and you've ever done any kind of woodwork, then you know um, the more protective coat you apply, the stronger the piece of wood's going to be over time. And really, if you really want to make, uh, you know, let's say if you really, if you have a piece of wood, let's say you made a table, made a real nice table out of, out of some real nice, uh, some oak and it's just real pretty. And, and you're like, you know what? I want to protect this table because I don't want to, you know, I, we're going to set glasses on it at, at dinner and, and then we're going to eat food. on. I want to protect this table, but I want it to look good too. How do I protect it? What you do is you go get you some clear coat, some polyurethane. And you apply that polyurethane. You put one coat on it and you know what? Th- that may be good, but if you really want it to be strong, you know what you do? You let that coat dry. And you get to some real fine sandpaper, some 220 grit. And you just kind of lightly, lightly go over that, that coat you did. You wipe it clean and you add your new coat. And guess what? The sanding of what you applied and the application of the next thing makes it stronger. And it makes it, it, makes it look a little better too. It does. And if you, you say, okay, that's two coats. Man, you know what? I kind of like, it's feeling good. It's looking real pretty. Let me go again. And uh, you sand it down a little more again, you know. Go, go, to, go, go 220 again and just sand it down. like, And just, you know, get all that dust off. Put you another. And, ooh, it's, now it's stronger again and it's even looking a little better. Yeah. And some of us will look at people's lives and we'll say, oh, look, they look so nice and so, you know, they just look so good. Boy, you don't understand that there's layers of word applied. And every word had a sanding. Every word went through abrasion. Every word went through a test and a trial. And then I applied another word to my life. And it, it looks a little better. But I'm stronger. I'm stronger. And, and to the outside looking in, it's the same old wood. I'm the same old court. Ain't nothing changed about me. No, no, no. Don't, 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 don't look at it and think that I'm better. No, it's the same. I got the same thing. But I've applied over and over again. I've heard words. I've heard words that cut me. And I said, Lord, I don't want to do it, but I'm, I'm you know what? I'm going to apply that. I'm, I'm going to put that on. And I've heard, I've heard words that upset me. Can't believe they preach something like that. Hurt my feelings. 
But it was a sanding and application. It was a sanding and application. It was abrasion and application. It was test and trial and application. And over a while, you get a little stronger. After a while, you get, you get shinier. After a while, you get more durable. And it's hard to be moved when you have so many layers applied. You can't look at my life and think, oh, wow, look at him. It's just, you know, silver spoon in his mouth, whatever. No, it's layers applied, layers applied, layers applied. It's application after application after application after application after application. He that heareth it and doeth it, you apply something else. I apply the word to my life over and over and over again. And when I get in trouble, I go back to the word and I apply it again and again and again. And when I hear the word, I don't just leave it where I heard it, but I apply it over and over again. And there's stability in application. We have grown so used to church. We've grown so used to the activity. We've grown so used to the moment that we forget that this is not just a place to hear it, but it is a place to commit to it. Out there is where I apply it. This is only a place that we hear it. It's hard to apply it here. As a matter of fact, it's easy to apply it here because the preacher's preaching and the choir's singing and you're surrounded by brothers and sisters and there's strength in numbers and it's easy to apply it here, but what about at home when it's just you by yourself and you're surrounded by evilness and you're surrounded by trouble and trial? Will you apply the word there? Because if you will, in that abrasion, in that moment of sanding, in that moment of knocking down, if you apply it, it gets prettier. And it gets stronger and it gets more durable. Every time you apply the word of God in a in a tough moment, it gets prettier and stronger. And people will look at you and say, man, it just man, you guys just you got something great, man. You just awesome. man. How'd you get so awesome? It was the sanding and applying. It was it was the storm and the application of the word. It was the trouble in my life and the application of the word. It was the Lord was over here working some stuff out of me as I was applying the word to my life. And over time, it just gets cleaner. And over time, it gets prettier. And over time, it gets glossier. And over time, it gets stronger. The, the thing for me tonight, and I'm, I'm not going to hold you much longer than what I've already held you. The thing for me tonight is that for, for, for so long, I personally, just me, I was caught up in 21 through 27 because that's where the Lord really spoke to me through those scriptures. But when, when Jesus is saying, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, what, what is he talking about sayings? Because really, if we wanted to, we could say, hey, anything that the Lord has told us, we, we, we need to do those things. You know, anything that the Lord says... We need to do, but Matthew 7 is really deep. Matthew 7 is, is, is really good. And if you go back to the beginning of Matthew 7, he begins with sayings. Jesus makes several statements in Matthew 7 that you will, you will recognize. You will recognize as taught throughout your whole Christian life. If you're in this room and you've been a Christian for a while, you've read the word of God, 
you will notice that Matthew 7 is where Jesus makes some very powerful statements that carry weight with us. Let me tell you how it starts, and I'm not going to go through all of them. I, I don't have time. I, I'll, I'll get back next week, so you got to come back next week. Always leave them wanting some more. This first thing he says, Matthew 7, judge not that you be not judged. So at the end of Matthew 7, when he's saying, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, we have to include this as well. Because we can hear that. Don't raise your hand. But how many struggle with actually applying it? Okay, you can raise your hand. <laughs> Me? Not just judging other people, but also judging myself. Judging thoughts. Judging actions. We are, we are judgy. Elbow somebody say, he's talking to you. Talking to you. See? See, you did it. See, see how quick you did it? You totally judged your neighbor. Just, I just suggested it, and you did it. You are so judgy. You are so judgy. <laughs> we are some judgy people. Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. We got we to gotta, we, we, we gotta watch. We got to be careful how we judge. Judge not that we be not judged. Watch what he says in, in, in verse 2 as he continues on. He said, for with that judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Like however you judge people, that's how you're going to be judged. And, and, and whatever measure that you judge them on, that's how you're going to be judged. So if you're going to judge... Judge a little bit. <laughs> That's not what it's saying. I wish it's what it was saying. That's not what it's saying. It's saying don't judge at all. But if you're going to judge, just a sense. I just a little bit of judge. I'm, I'm a little judgy. Just a touch. Just a smidgen. We all are about different things. There's some things that you might not be, you might not even care about, but there's a few things that just, just turn your clock. You know, you know what I'm talking about. There's a, there's, a, there's a whole list of stuff that you don't even care. You won't even you won't say anything about it. But that, that one person that you follow on Instagram, when they, when they do something, you're like, I just want to slap the taste out of your mouth. And, and you, should, you should totally unfollow them, but you don't because it feels good to judge them. You don't, you don't do it. Again, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. We got, we got problems. We got trouble because sometimes it just... Feels good just to throw some judgment out there and put the put the black robe on and hit the gavel and like you going to hell you going to hell you go oh y'all going to hell feel like Oprah you get a car you get a car everybody gets a car here's what he says that's why I can't preach much on this he said and and why he said and why. Beholdest thou the moat, which is kind of like a splinter or like a, you know, like a, um, th that would be the, the objective term for it, like a splinter. Why, why are you looking at the splinter that is in your brother's eye, but haven't even considered the beam that's sticking out of your eye? 
So basically he's saying, there's a splinter in your brother's eye, and you are throwing a fit about that splinter in his eye, and you got a branch <laughs> with a leaf growing on the end of it. Hang out. You heard of Pinocchio? This is a whole other thing. This is out of the eyeball. This is even weirder. And you are, you are just throwing a pure fit about their little problem when you got all kinds of problems. This is why we shouldn't judge because nobody's perfect. They, they got a problem on this little thing, but you got a problem too. And if we were to match problems up, it'd look like a splinter in a tree. But now, but, but, but watch, this is, this is important. This, this, is, this is, intrigues me from the scripture. He said in verse 4, Oh, how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me get that splinter for you, friend. <laughs> Let me pull out the moat out of thine eye. And behold, a beam is in thy own eye. Thou hypocrite. Mm. I didn't say that. So don't get mad at me. Pastor Chavis called me a hypocrite. No, the scripture called you a hypocrite. <laughs> but, but, but watch, this, this is important, and I want you to see this. Because this, this, this is a part of the scripture that we all leave out. We leave this scripture out of the, of the text, but it's in there. He says, you hypocrite, first, get rid of your beam, and then... Can you see clearly to get the splinter out of your brother's eye? What he's saying is, yeah, you can totally tell somebody there's a splinter in their eye. No problem with that. As long as there ain't nothing in your eye, tell away. <laughs> as long as you can see clearly, this is what, this is what Jesus is saying. Oh, you so fancy. You got 2020 vision. You got you some visine. Since you can see so clearly, won't you help us all out? Get spinning out of everybody's eye. But until you got something in your eye, keep your mouth shut. As long as you still dealing with your eye problem, leave everybody else's eye problem alone. That's what Jesus said. He said, listen, if, if you're so good and you're so righteous and you can get the beam out of your eye, help yourself. Go get your brothers. Go get his brothers, get his mamas, his aunties, uncle, mother-in-law, get them all. I'm going to send you on a splinter clearing mission as soon as you can see clearly. As soon as you get over all your problems. As soon as you can stop sinning. As soon as you can be perfect. We, we'll, we'll assign you, we'll give you a t-shirt. That says, designator, splinter from eye remover. <laughs> we'll get you a teacher. As soon as you can just be perfect and have nothing going on in your life. Anybody want to sign up tonight for a free t-shirt? <laughs> no, none of us. Because every one of us got a problem. We just so busy pointing out everybody else's problems. <laughs> Whosoever... Heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. Hallelujah. Stand with me. I'm, I, I can't go no further. If I do, I'll be in trouble. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, 
please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.